sing as one for this country we're walking on we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand welcome to another episode of the environmental as anything podcast Bruce Robertson is the Energy Finance Analyst for the Institute for Energy Economics and Financial Analysis. He has worked with Perpetual Trustees, UBS, Nippon Life, Insurance and BT and is an active participant in the national debate on energy issues in Australia. He joins us today to answer the question, when investors won't back gas, why should taxpayers? Bruce Robertson, thanks for joining Environmental as Anything today. Thank you very much, Sean. We've spent a lot of news uh, this week about gas, with the Prime Minister uh, threatening to throw public money at a gas-fired power station in the Hunter. Do you think that uh, throwing public money at gas is going to lower power bills or reduce emissions? It can't, in a word. And the reason for that is, as the ACCC has shown time and time again, gas is the highest cost producer of electricity in the national electricity market. And so it sets the price when the prices are high. Mm. Um, and it sets them at a high level. Um, and so this idea that um, putting more gas into the system will reduce power prices is, is pretty fanciful. So uh, what are the emissions uh, implications for this proposed uh, federally funded gas plant? Well, they continually lie to us, basically, about the emissions of of this gas plant. But this gas plant's a gas peaking plant and gas peaking plants have higher emissions than gas based load plants. So it's not fifty percent better than coal, like they're telling us. It's only thirty one percent better than coal. And so the gains are really quite marginal and those are before any leakages. And if we have any leakages of methane, it's a very powerful greenhouse gas. Gas can be worse than coal for greenhouse gases. Um, BP have said that uh, the broader industry leaks at 3.2%. If it leaks at over 3 it's worse than coal. So BP itself are saying that gas is worse than coal for greenhouse gas emissions. Wow, that's uh, pretty telling. But uh, the Morrison regime didn't get the memo? What's going on there? Uh, no, they keep calling it a low-emissions fuel. Gas is not a low-emissions fuel. You've written that uh, gas in Australia doesn't adhere to the normal economic rules of more supply equaling lower prices. Why, why is that? Well, we have to look historically at what's actually happened. In 2014, um, three gas power plants sort of opened up, export gas, LNG plants opened up at Gladstone in that 2014 to 15 period, and they essentially meant that, that our gas prices rose an awful lot despite the fact that production tripled in the ensuing years, um, we've had much higher gas prices than we used to have. We used to pay pretty consistently 3 to $4 a gigajoule for many years prior to 2014. And after the, um, uh, after the opening up of those three plants, uh, prices currently for contract gas are, are more than double what they used to be. Um, they're, they're 8 to $11 um, mm. a gigajoule. So um, what we've seen is we've seen production go up and prices go up. 
and and the the, the reason behind that is is just a few people control the market in Australia in this case to Australia and they set the price very high they set it above international parity prices so more production doesn't lead to lower You've described that as a cartel and an oligopoly, I've heard you call it. So how heavily subsidised is this gas oligopoly? Well, it's going to be very heavily subsidised if the government gets its way. The COVID Commission has recommended a number of um, pretty radical um, suggestions for uh, funding the gas industry. The gas industry is in a lot of trouble in Australia. Uh, I think this is a key point that hasn't really come out so much. Um, ever since 2014, the, the, those three export plants were an economic disaster for the companies involved, an absolute disaster. Um, it, 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 you know, a number of them haven't produced um, enough gas. Santos, for example, at its plant, hasn't produced enough gas to fulfil its export contract. So it's actually broken its contract itself. Um, they've written off billions of dollars. And this was occurring pre-COVID. And I think that's the key point. It was already happening prior to COVID, mm. the collapse of the gas industry in, 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 in Australia. And, and COVID, all COVID did was to um, speed it up. It sped up that collapse. In the first six months of this year, $25 billion dollars was written off the gas industry in Australia. That's 20, a massive number. $25 billion. In six months. Wow. Yeah, just in six months. And the next six months isn't going to be a hell of a lot better. The oil companies have exceptionally high, um, high assumptions for the oil price going forward that don't actually, in common with our government it seems, um, reflect what's happening in the market. The futures prices are only about $55 in 2025, or under 55 sorry, um, in 2025, and um, a lot of these oil companies have have uh, oil prices at 70 60 and $70 out there. So that, that, that'll have to bring those down, and that will mean further large write-offs. It looks like uh, a floundering industry. Uh, gas companies around the world are declaring bankruptcy, aren't they? Uh, particularly in the U.S., there's a very strong growth industry in the U.S., and that is um, insolvency practitioners for oil and gas companies. They're going bankrupt right, left, and centre over there. And not only that, um, you know, we're seeing the number of operating drill rigs in that industry collapse. Mm. Uh, they've gone down 70%, over 70% in the last 12 months, the number of operating drill rigs. That means that production will collapse late next year and into the following year. Um, and um, we really are seeing a, a depression in the gas industry over there. It's not a normal contraction or pullback or recession. It's a full-blown gas depression. So a structural collapse in the industry, essentially. Is there any recovery path, do you think? Uh, not for quite a while. And the reason for that is is that uh, as Deloitte's have pointed out, um, you know, this is a very mainstream idea, I'd hasten to add. Um, Deloitte's a pretty mainstream company. <laughs> um, they've pointed out that for the last 10 years, the oil uh, and gas fracking industry in the US has lost money at the cash flow line. Essentially, uh, you know, um, 
it, it has borrowed more money and it has gone to equity investors, you know, investors to get more money all the time because its operations haven't made money. And that's in good times and in bad times over the last 10 years. Right. So what is going to happen is, is that equity and debt investors, in other words, the banks and people who actually invest in these companies, aren't going to be so charitable going forward because they've been burnt. Uh, you know, um, the bankers have lost a lot of money. People who invest in these companies have lost a lot of money. So they're going to demand much higher returns before they come back into the market. Typically, what used to happen in, in the shale industry was, you know, the price went up a little bit and a flood of production would come in. This time, it is different because uh, it's always a dangerous thing to say that in financial markets, but it really is different this time because the equity and debt investors are, have been burned. Right, and they're they're not they're not keen to go throwing away any more money in in that black hole. No, they're not keen to to throw money down drill holes, um, <laughs> essentially, uh, which is what they've been doing for ten years. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's it, it, I always find it amusing. Like I was, you know, I, I'm from the stock market. I was a fund manager and analyst for sixteen years. Uh, you know, people used to say it's a really fast game, the stock market, and uh, I always said to them, "No, it's not. It's a really slow game until it's a fast game." Yeah. Um, you know, these themes take years to develop sometimes, and you know, if you spot them, you can you can be waiting years <laughs> before they actually come true. Um, so, um, yeah, and this is one of those. You know, it has been a very long time coming. This um, this 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 day of reckoning for the shale fracking industry, but it's here. And it's here for our domestic gas industry as well. Um, you know, Santos recently wrote off another billion dollars on top of the, you know, $5.6 billion they've written off between 2014 and 2018, 19, sorry. So, um, you know, um, they've written off a lot of money pre-COVID and they're writing off more now. Um, and same with Origin, same with Shell. Uh, you know, all these companies are hurting. So you can see this, um, you know, I, I've been observing the reports on it. The, the, the institutional investors seem to be across it. The uh, state governments uh, seem to be uh, getting, uh, getting, waking up to it. But uh, is there some chance that, uh, that the, the Morrison regime knows something that the rest of us are missing? Is there, is there some secret report that they're sitting on or something else that we should offer them a line of hope for this, uh, for this, this gas-fired recovery that they're touting? Well, I think they're just taking the word of Andrew Liveris from Saudi Aramco, which is a, is a rather interesting character to appoint to the um, COVID commission in the first place. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, um, uh, I think they're just taking uh, his word and um, and also the word of Nerf Power, mm. who are all, um, and Catherine Tanner, who are all gas industry executives. It's the old thing. Um, you know, I'm sure if uh, Scott Morrison and... Uh, company there, Angus Taylor, had appointed um, a bunch of carpenters to the um, COVID Commission, you know, 10 carpenters on the board of the COVID Commission, they'd all be saying we should build houses to get the economic recovery. Um, you know, there's no diversity in that, in that COVID Commission. It, 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 you know, we have a number of interest, industries in Australia that can, right today, pull Australia out of the economic funk it's in. Um, you know, we've got things like medical technology companies that lead the world. Uh, you know, we've got world-leading universities, for example. But there are a lot of industries that we could... 
could have given more support to uh, to try and stimulate our way out of out of the funk. But um, we've chosen, you know, the, the Morrison government's tried to back a winner and they've picked a loser. Mm. It seems to be uh, like across the board, as I mentioned, there's a list of people who are walking away from gas, including the consumers. So the gas usage in the Australian domestic market is slumping, isn't it? Gas usage since 2014, um, that's overall for, for all sectors, has fallen 12%. Gas usage in gas power generation has fallen 58% since 2014. Uh, you know, it, it really is not a competitive fuel to fuel our power system with. And um, and uh, in domestically, it's been a lot flatter. But going forward, the domestic sector will take a hit because people are beginning to realise that it's cheaper to heat your, ho- heat your home with a reverse cycle air conditioner mm. um, and it's cheaper to cook with a um, induction cooking, which is instant response like gas is. Mm. Um, and it's um, yeah, it's cheaper to heat your um, hot water with with a, um, a heat pump. So yeah, uh, get the future for gas in in the domestic sector looks looks very poor in, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's it's just not economic anymore, and the prices being charged um, always seem to go up, even if the gas price itself goes down <laughs> uh, for the domestic consumer. So. Um, uh, yeah, it's really not not a fuel that we should be using anymore. And it's not just in your opinion. The, the AEMO, the Australian Energy Market Operator, is uh, the only agency to model uh, future electricity grid, as shown by 2040, the role of gas in a renewable-rich grid will be smaller than today, according to you know the article you published at AEFA uh, just yesterday. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, you have AEMO, the only people who have actually modelled a, a, a future gas grid in Australia, to the best of my knowledge, is, is the Australian Energy Market Operator. Mm. And, uh, you know, they've come out with this conclusion, and yet you've got the government who um, uh, are saying that we need more gas. Um, and the two are not compatible. The two views are obviously not compatible. Um so I, I think it's up to your listeners to decide who do they want to believe, the politicians, or do they want to believe the experts who actually model this stuff and do it mm. as their job every day. Yeah. Um, uh, I would rather go with the Australian energy market operator. <laughs> yes, they've got a better track record. Um, well, Bruce, look, we probably should wrap it up soon, but I should ask you finally, um, the, the Morrison the government's threats to, uh, to, to build this gas-fired power plant, um, is, is this going to uh, encourage investment from the private sector or stifle it, do you think? No, it'll definitely stifle it. I mean, the shortfall in New South Wales is about 150 megawatts, and that will probably be being covered right now as we speak with some of the projects that are going to come out. But anyway, it is 150 megawatts, um, which isn't much. And and their solution is to build a gigawatt of power, Mm. like, you know, eight times that amount. Um, So, uh, which is a massive power station. They could have easily come out and said, oh, we'll build a, you know, 100 megawatt station or a 200 megawatt station, but no, they want to build a thousand megawatt station. Mm. Um, so what does that do? That creates uncertainty in investors' minds because they go, well, we thought the market looked like this and now it looks totally different because you put all this capacity in. 
And who's to say that then the government won't turn around then and go, oh, well, we want to build a coal-fired one because, you know, coal miners are going out of business in, in, in the Hunter Valley or for some other political reason. And it takes, um, it, it takes uh, away the market signal because you have a non-market operator coming in and and yes people will be far more cautious they've already said that we're going to be far more cautious about investing they're scared about the government uh, the dead hand of government just basically taking over so uh, going to the north korean economic uh, model uh, doesn't uh, sound like such a great idea then uh, certainly not for the companies involved, no. I mean, you know, I suppose if you work for Snowy Hydro, the, the government corporation building this thing, you'd be cheering. But, you know, um, for, for the other companies involved in, in, in the energy market, it really isn't a good thing. Mm. Um, and what it, what it will do is it will, will scare off investment into renewables, it'll scare off investment into batteries that are taking over now from gas. You know, we've got to recognise there's a massive technological change occurring in the power sector. Um, it's happened. It, it's not something I'm not predicting it. It's actually happened. Um, and we're seeing now battery um, batteries being introduced to the system that will directly compete with gas. Naon in, um, in South Australia is proposing a 900 megawatt battery. Um, you know, the Hornsdale Power is the, the Tesla's big battery down there. Uh, which was the biggest battery in the world at the time, was 100 megawatts. So the scale is yeah. changing dramatically. It's not... Um, uh, yeah, um, things are changing right now, and, and batteries is one of those things that is changing now. Yeah, not just dispatchable on the, in the moment uh, on the grid itself, but uh, quick to roll out, much quicker to put a battery system in than a gas-fired power station, I would imagine. Oh, yes, look, infinitely quicker. Uh, you know, Elon Musk and Mike Cannon-Brooks had that bed in South Australia and it, it was completed. Mm. Um, the power station was completed on time. To build one of these gas-fired power plants will take three to four years at minimum. Mm. Well, let's uh, keep a watch on that, uh, Bruce. I'll be, I'll be reading what you're writing to, to find out what's going on. Thank you so much for coming in to speak to us today and share it with the listeners. Thank you very much. That was the energy finance. Uh, that was the energy finance analyst for the. That was the energy finance analyst for IEFA, Bruce Robertson. Are you looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental as Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from 2 to 5 for all the news, interviews and analysis you need to make the future you want. For the future, we're hand in hand.